Welcome to this week's episode of Free Play. I'm your 7th level Bardcast host, Michael. Today I'll be speaking with a long-lost founding member of our local group, Scott. Together we've been kind of uh, reaching out across the interwebs to find out what we want to talk about, and today we're going to talk about starting out with a character that does not have a large background or no background at all. So I'm going to toss this to Scott and see what he has to say about that topic right off the bat. <laughs> okay, now, while I love playing a character with an in-depth background, and I do like it when my players come to the table with a character with an in-depth background, sometimes it's both fun and releasing. It releases that responsibility if you have little to no background. It, it can be advantageous as a, as a dungeon or a game moderator. I was going to say dungeon master there for a second, but as a game moderator, because now you can tell the full story together in a nice narrative. And it can be very uh, advantageous as a player not to have that background as well. I'm playing in a, in a Dungeons and Dragons game right now where I'm playing a character that's a druid. His name is Bertle. And he's a tortle, so yeah, he's... I, I have to Bertle tell you, that's the, the greatest name ever. Bertle the Tortle is greatest name ever. <laughs> well, I, I had a lot, I've been having a lot of fun with him. And it works for this particular character because when turtles turn 18, when they become an adult, they leave their island and go on, for lack of a better term, a walkabout. So he has no tragic background. He has no, you know, lost members of his family or anything. He's just traveling to learn what the world is like. So it let me, I had a base idea of how I wanted to play him going in because he's a very wise, very intelligent character. But I didn't have to worry about how am I going to interact with this NPC or this creature based on my character's history. Because he has no history with characters like that. So it's all new and open for him. And it also helps, you know, the game moderator because they can say, hey, this is something you remember from your from you know, your childhood. And I can't contradict it because, well, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, because a, a GM can come in and say, hey, I've got this story element I'd like to apply to your character because you've left it kind of an open book for me. How about we insert this little element into your background because, you know, there's some space there. And I like to have a lot of space for a GM to actually do that kind of thing. Where if they have a way to drag a character in, then that character kind of has more buy-in to the setting and the story and the game. It has a tendency to pull other players into it as well. So I really like leaving it open. When I do it myself, it's more to help the GM as they're trying to set things up. That's the first thought I have is, hey, how can I help the GM make a great story? Yeah, and I've had, I've run games. One of my longest running games went 10 years for one campaign with the same players and characters for that full 10 years. And they almost all came to the table with two or three pages of character background. And on a long campaign like that, I was able to work in 
their different things from their character backgrounds. But since they were so intensive, you know, so complete, it didn't give me a lot of room for openings for introducing things as part of their background. I really had no openings. I had to bring in characters that they had imagined in their, their background and try to, you know, introduce them in a way that they were comfortable with because these were characters they had created. So as a, as a game moderator, I didn't have full agency over the NPCs either. So it made it difficult. And one of my favorite series of books of all time, and I know it's yours too, is Wheel of, a time, Wheel of Time. And if you think about it, the main characters in that, for the most part, have no background. They grew up in the same village. They have a shared background. They don't have tragic childhoods. They only have very little background that you have to dive into before you're even, and let's be fair, you get, you start caring about those characters very quickly as you're exploring the world with them. Uh, a couple of the other characters, yes, do have larger backgrounds. I mean, he wrote a whole novel on them, but you, the main characters, and I always consider those two NPCs almost. They were characters in a story from before that have been retired, and now they're NPCs in the current story going forward. <laughs> I see you nodding, yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've always felt like um, Jordan set that up in the beginning as introducing a new party that's going to be guided by an older group, and they would kind of usher them along, and then eventually the older characters would move apart and let the new party take over and start moving the story forward because they did what I consider uh, the greatest thing about D&D is starting small and expanding outward. Yep. And they did it very well. And that's exactly what Jordan did in those stories is he started in a village and expanded outward. Yeah. So no background or very little background. I mean, you need something. You want enough to know what might motivate your character. And some systems do a little bit of background, like Dungeons and Dragons does it with, you know, you have your, your backgrounds in there. And you don't have to go by those backgrounds. You can modify those as much as you want, but it gives you a little something. What did you do before you were an adventurer? Because it never makes sense to me for players to come to the table with this background of heroic actions of their character when they're starting at first level. Yeah, no. They're a shepherd or they're a blacksmith. They've not done any adventuring. Their current background is whatever they grew up to become or what profession they were going to be if they hadn't decided to go and be adventurers. Yeah, and that's... You can do this in a, zero, in, a, in a zero session, a session zero. When you're sitting around the table, you can say, hey, we're all from the same village or we're all from the same city and we've known each other. So we have a shared experience to get us rolling. That way we're somewhat invested in each other. But you don't need this grand, tragic backstory or these past 
heroic actions if you're starting at low level. Now, if you're coming into a high, you know, long-running campaign, you might want a little more backstory. But again, the less of a backstory those original characters had means it's really easy to work in a new player at the table and say, hey, well, you know, we left this section of your background blank. You know, we didn't fill in what you were doing, you know, when you were 16 to 18 years old. So here's an old friend of yours from then. You know, they moved away, you lost touch, but you were always great friends. And here they are, and they've shown up again. You can work it in with a little more flow than that, of course. But it leaves that ability there. And if you're playing, it doesn't wrap you into a specific role. You don't have like anything really set as far as what the character will and won't do. Yeah, because, I mean, when you come into it at first level, you don't want your character already to be done with everything they're going to accomplish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want them to have a, the world is open to them and they have goals to achieve so that they can become more than just a, a villager or a town guard. They are more than that. And if you start out with them having this, lush and very full background what else is there to um yeah to strive for yeah your the story is already told and the game is all about telling a story together and if you've already told your full story what is there left yeah just go ahead and go write your uh, novel and yeah well let me read it when you get done with it <laughs> when i joined jared's game uh the divided coast you all were i think seventh level or eighth level i think seventh level and i felt it appropriate to have a little more of a background then because how am i this you know relatively powerful druid without a background so i came up with a more in-depth background than i did with my last character and yes i have been one of those players that have shown up to the table with a three-page background the tragic or heroic story but i found maybe it's because I'm getting older, that that doesn't leave a lot. It boxes me into too much of a story. You know, it doesn't give me full agency of the character because I've already wrote what they will and won't do. It doesn't give me as much chance to explore the character. So I'm enjoying playing a character that his background was he was born on an island and he had... We haven't even gone into whether he had an idyllic or tragic childhood. I'm figuring he just had a normal childhood. And now he's doing what turtles do. He went out to explore. And that has left it so open for me to interact with what's being presented to me and not have to think about, well, what, based on his background, how would he react? No, don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and for me, that's the reason why I start at that point. I like to have the character ready to be a blank page for the game master, as well as as me as the player. I like that openness. And sometimes, as on a on a out of character aspect of it, I like to have something for me to find my way to fit into the style that the GM is going to run because not all of us run it the same way i'd like my character to fit into the story that's being presented 
and actually connect with it rather than I've already got this concept. You as the game master, you you need to fit me into your story. Yep. And that that is really hard for some people to do. Yeah, that happened to both of us in the same game. We both had backstories and and context for our characters. And granted, this was when the group was still new. And we both came to the table with those and never got to use any of it for either of us. And I felt that I needed that because we were starting out at third level. So we had already had some you know, experience as a, a player character. And I felt, oh, well, I'm not first level. I need to have a little bit of you know, ex- explanation as to why I'm a uh, higher level than that. Yeah, and I was had less than you did coming into that. And even I felt like it was hard for me to engage, fully engage in the story because my character's background didn't fit at all. And I guess we could have sat down and rewrote our backgrounds, but, I mean, we played with somebody that was pretty rule-intense, and that might not have gone incredibly well. And then later on, playing right beside you in later games, I've seen you literally with a blank page out of there doing your background while we're playing and scribbling things out like in our zero session how did we know each other you know had it was i had done some bounty hunting for you yeah because i don't want to spend a lot of time coming up with a background that in the first session i'm gonna go well i don't need that anymore and throw it right away because i want to concentrate on what's going to happen in that game yeah if the gm is not going to include my background, then I don't really need it. I'll just give him a blank slate and let him build a story, and then I'll find a way to plug myself in. I did that for Jared before you joined his game. I did that with my character. He was a blank slate. I gave him, you know, enough to cover what was on the sheet. You know, I was a far traveler, and I was a a fire genasi. I like the concept of putting all that together into a uh, wizard, but I didn't give him a lot of background because I wasn't sure how he was going to run the game. And I wanted to make sure that he could, you know, use my character to help tell his story. I've since learned that he was waiting for me to plug something in so I could, he could build his story off of it. Yeah, yeah. I, so I would love to go back to playing that game. I was actually enjoying that game quite a bit. But unfortunately, I don't think he made it super clear in the beginning how much input he wanted from us as players to keep the story going and we were always kind of looking for the next guidance and i had because that was the one where the null invasions were and my character's background was um that he was a druid and he fought against the null invasion every time but between invasions he would go into hibernation and then come back out so he wasn't quite all there you guys referred to him as like radagast yeah and for some sense he was kind of like radagast he was not quite all there he was very in tune with nature but with socialization in the world he didn't really care his goal was to stop that null invasion that's what he did he would come out fight that null invasion then go back into hibernation and i didn't realize how much that he wanted us to put into that 
And then when he said it, and it was only a few sessions in after I joined that he said he was going to put on hiatus. And that's been what a while. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I have ideas for that world now, but I don't think he's going to come back. Well, I don't think he is either. And I'm kind of disappointed because I liked my character. Will he had come from the blank slate that I started with. He ran around with some very chaotic uh, murder hobos. And occasionally he tried to help, but I had intended for him to be kind of a, a fiery diplomat, somebody that could go into a situation and negotiate something to help benefit the group. And every time I tried that, I ran into problems with the bugbear that was with us who constantly threw everything out the window as soon as you gave him the plan or you had an idea, he'd go, yeah, that would work, but that's a dumb idea. We're going to do it my way. And so I shaped my character's path to work with him until I couldn't anymore. And then Jared presented me with a couple of things that happened to the character that opened up my ability to just run with it. He he implanted some power in my character and I had to deal with it in the story. And so I was trying to establish myself in this city and set up a, a, a wizard's tower or a wizard's school so that I could study what had happened to me. But that fell apart. And then we were trying to uh, do other things because I felt like that was a aspect that we could have used to help with the Noel invasion that was inevitably coming down the pike. I wanted to be ready for it. So, Jared, if you're listening, we're ready to play Divided Coast again. We're ready to give you that input. <laughs> yeah, you have some some dedicated players and some characters that have a lot of background, and they also have a lot of future in them if you just get back to it. So, yeah, maybe you'll hear us. <laughs> well, I hope he listens to his own podcasts. Uh, I, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I don't know what, what he does. He might listen to him. He might not. Uh, well, we know there's somebody that listens to him that might pass the message on. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> I will let him know he needs to listen to this episode when it when it comes out. Because I was thinking about that after he said that. And he was putting on hiatus, and I started putting ideas together. And then it was just like, nope, nope, nope. And... Then I got so disappointed when I saw that had been moved to the retired games on Discord. Yeah, I was I was somewhat disappointed when he wrapped that one up too, but I think he may have decided to go in a different direction and actually put more uh, development into it. Because when he first started, it was a sandbox. He said, you guys do, do whatever you want. And that's the wrong thing to say to a chaotic, <laughs> neutral bugbear and... Uh, a wizard who is just following along to act as a support role. I I like to play characters that are in a support role. I don't really like to be the leader, but I became the leader in that one because it was basically thrust upon me. No. And, and I want to go back to it because I really felt like that was the moment that I engaged with the character, the setting, and Jared's story. I, so You didn't have a lot of backstory coming in, but... All of a sudden, there was a hook for a story going forward, and you had no backstory to get in the way. And when I ran my game, 
for you guys. I don't think any of you had a major backstory. And I did a cheesy introduction. Yeah, you were all <laughs> locked in cells. Oh, that game was hilarious. That was a hilarious game. And I gave you all a lot of agency, but we were telling the story together. And I can't think, I don't remember any aspect of any of your characters' backgrounds. I remember what you did in the game, but I don't remember any one specific aspect of any of the characters' backgrounds because it wasn't pertinent to the story going forward. And since I hadn't asked for it, I didn't feel bad about not including it. You know what I mean? I, I've had... yeah. As I said, that game that ran 10 years, one of the characters was on the run because he had murdered a family because he found out they were abusing the kids. And that was in his backstory. Yeah, a very dark backstory. And I worked it into his the actual campaign later on where she returned, the, the daughter of that family returned, but she didn't return to thank him. She blamed him for killing her family, and it had been years. So during that time frame, she went and trained and learned everything she could about killing to come and kill him. So I had a lull in the story that they were doing, So, and I had these different characters from their backgrounds made up. And so I threw that in there to fulfill that lull, and that was the only interaction in 10 years that he had with that three-page background. So a, a big background didn't really help progress the story. It gave me a little something that I could toss in for, I think it was like a three-session arc, and then it was done and over with. But if he hadn't had that, I could have done something all on my own to cover that lapse in the main story going forward and not had to have been roped into something specific and working within these very specific guidelines. And I think I did an all right job. They, they loved that game. That's where Bob Goblin came from, where they adopted the, the goblin that they freed from the drow. <laughs> and again, that was a, a character with really no background, an NPC that had no background. It was a throwaway NPC. You're supposed to you know, free them, and they go running and disappear. Well, they didn't just free them, they healed them, and then they fed them, and then they asked them to stay to help them with their quest, and only one took them up on it, and I figured, this is a low-level goblin, he's going to die, <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah, and, it's usually when the pet takes over. And after like three or four sessions, and they leveled, and they're like, and they were like seventh or eighth level at the time, they're like, well... Did Bob gain a level? And I'm like, no, you're not going to make me do this. And they're like, yeah. So every time the party leveled, Bob Goblin leveled. And they were giving him magic items. He was probably the richest goblin ever because of the amount of magic items they gave him. And this was in 3.5 when there was, you know, huge power creep. And I kept expecting him to die. And he just kept living. And I'm like, I don't want an NPC in the party. I don't want to have to run an NPC every session. And then it became, 
the guest NPC. Somebody's like, hey, are you running a game? It's like, yeah. Can I join? Yeah, I have a character for you. You get to play Bob Goblin. And they'd come in, and Bob Goblin had only a background that was a goblin, a former slave, and rescued by the party. His whole background, basically, was from when the party took him on. And he was probably the most interesting NPC I had in that game. And half the time he was controlled by some random person who showed up. And there were always notes on the character sheet about how to play Bob Goblin. <laughs> and I didn't put those notes there. So Yeah, that's the, that's the great thing about um, campaigns that go for a while like that. You'll have NPCs or people that they've interacted with that they want to drag along with them or reoccurring people. I, I ran a Star Wars game for three, four years, and they always kept coming back to this one guy who kept selling them merchandise, armor and weapons. And I started off with him just being Bernard. He was, you know, selling the best armor in the city. And they progressed his story by interacting with him so often. And by the time that campaign wrapped up, it, it was Bernard selling the best armor in the galaxy. Because they had actually taken his product and moved it off of the planet, sold it around, and it was becoming famous. And he was putting ads on the web. Uh, he was putting billboards everywhere he could on Coruscant. He had a lot of money because they made him a lot of money. And then, and then it all came crashing down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was, he, was, he was an NPC I just loved to... Every time they interacted with him, he would have something new for them to do. And it was mostly to pr promote his product yeah. and get it out there into the galaxy so he could make that claim. Yeah. But, you know, you don't need that three-page backstory to go with a story like that. You, you don't need anything other than what they do, what motivates them. And you can pretty much do that with a character, too. What, what is your character's motivation? What were they before they started adventuring? And it doesn't need to be big. Maybe they were just a farmer. Maybe they're 16, 17, or 18 years old and just starting out into the world on their own. You know, how much of a background do you need in a starting character? Or how much of a blank slate do you want to have to tell a story going forward? Less of a backstory means your story's just beginning. And... The players that I've had, the characters I've had the most fun playing have usually had the least amount of backstory. Just a few little snippets. No more than three sentences. Yeah, and while we're having this conversation as experienced game masters, I got to thinking about the idea of what does a new GM do when they come into these situations? How do they, what skills are they going to need to look for to understand how to interact with a player who's brought them this blank slate. Because a lot of new uh, GMs, they come in, they go, uh, I need you to help me with, you know, development. Or they've got a lot of ideas, but they need something to focus. And usually they depend on the players to come up with what interests them. And I'm thinking, this would be a good moment to say, hey, this is what you can do as a new, newly minted GM. 
What would you say to to somebody like that? Really, all you need is, you've talked about it before, a short little questionnaire. And it doesn't even have to be written. You can do it around a table. Um, what motivates your character? Um, so what motivates them? Are they out for riches? Are they out for knowledge? Are they out just because they want to explore the world? Are they on a run for, from something? And you don't even have to fill in the blank on what they want to know, what they want to explore, what they want to run from. Money's sort of self-explanatory. Um, I like to know what their fear is um, because you can do the a fear lot. Of not gaining, the fear of not gaining a level. Yeah, you can do a lot with the, uh, the character's fear. Not the player's fear, the character's fear. We had a troll in, in one Palladium game I was running and his troll was deathly afraid of spiders. And at one point in time, we were attacked by giant spiders. And the spider landed on his shield. So he threw his shield on the ground with the spider underneath the shield and started jumping up and down on his shield. All we needed to make this scene memorable. Now, this is from back when I, when I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. So you know, we're going back 30 some odd years. I can clearly remember him, actually the player getting up and jumping up and down to act out what his troll was doing on the shield. He didn't have a big background. He knew what his character was motivated by, his next meal, his biggest fear. This giant troll was fear was afraid of spiders. Even the tiniest spider would send this troll running. Um, and that's, that's really all his background was, was those two things. And as a new GM, you can do so much with that. You're what motivates them is what you use to guide them where you might want them to go. And don't be afraid if they go the different direction. If they're going the wrong way, and it's very, really, really important for them to go a specific direction, you can put their fear in front of them. So you can, they either have to face their fear, which in itself can be a great story, or they turn away from the direction you're not ready for them to go yet. And that's really all you need to know. You know, you, you can... You don't even have to know what they were before they were an adventure. You can fill that in as you go along. It's like you don't always know the background of a, of a character in a book when you open up and start reading that book. But as the story goes on, that background gets filled in for you. And you can do that together at the table with your game moderator and the other players. And then everybody is invested in everybody's characters. So at that point in time, you're all in that same novel. And if you can do that, and I'm not saying that it's easy to do, but if you can do that, you'll have some of the best gaming experiences you've ever had in your life. And you don't have to have an in-depth character background to make it happen. Excellent way to wrap this one up because I think that kind of puts the cherry on top of the Sunday because in my mind, that is exactly what we're trying to get across in all of this uh, podcast is creating that story together as a group and enjoying the game and finding that really, really rare moment when you can always go back and go, I remember what happened 32 years ago in this particular game. And if you can do that, that's what it's all about. That's the hobby right there. That's why... You know, I started when I was eight or nine, so I'm talking 42 years ago, and I'm still playing. 
So yeah, it's a lifelong hobby. I, I'm I intend for them people to bring their dice to my funeral, and if they don't, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Scott. I think we'll wrap it up there. I appreciate you coming on for this discussion. I think this is kind of a new direction for the way we kind of approached uh, characters and and their backgrounds. So hopefully you can join us again. Oh, I'd be happy to. I have a lot of fun. All right. We will talk to everybody the next time. Thanks. This has been a production of 7th Level Bardcast, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at 7thLevelBardcast.com. Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show, like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Alexander Nakarada.